Thank you for being here. It is February 21st, Saturday. We're in Highland Park, but it's for Detroit is Different, the podcast. Yusef Bunchy Shakur, a, uh, someone I've known for a long time. It seems like time goes real fast nowadays. And uh, different sides of doing all types of events. Uh, and this is one of those events, as it's a lot more well attended than I expected it to be, actually. And uh, this is, you just gave your State of Black Detroit address for 2015. I'm going to look to partner with you where we're going to continue this because it's always a State of Black Detroit to give. Absolutely. Thank you for being the guest. That's the slate. The first question I got for you is, right now in the city of Detroit, what opportunities do you think are the best opportunities for the people that have been here, for the people that have lived here their whole life? Um. I think you and I represent what those opportunities look like. You know, coming from two different backgrounds. Uh, here's a guy that, that came from two two family household, uh, never went through any things I went through, and to, for me to come through uh, what I went through to be at the space where we're where, where we're working together. Same thing with G Mac. Again, being able to put our egos to the side, you know, seeing the the commonality, but also having real a real genuine conversation. So the greatest resource that we have is is the person that's sitting next to you, or the person that's sitting behind you. But are we willing to cultivate those relationships? Are we willing to invest and put in the time? Are we willing to share, uh, share, share, those, share those things? And I think that's, that, those are the opportunities that, that we have to be able to seize at this moment, at this time when, in, in Detroit. You know, uh, again, some of us who are, are more in a financial position than others, you know, how, how can we create a financial plan that we're working towards to support um, ideas? You know, how, do we, how do we generate money based upon, like, you know, we, we can create product. But some of us may not be uh, good marketers. You know, so me and Kari's relationship, like I, I've created a brand. You know, so Kari want to help me uh, take it to the next level. But I, but I have to be you know, open enough to set his ideas. I have to be open enough to set his direction and things of that nature and knowing the help that I needed. And so a lot of times uh, early on, I knew I needed certain things, but I didn't know what I needed. So when folks came on, those relationships may, may didn't work, work out. But I was open enough to just not say, that person didn't do this, and look at me, what, what I didn't do to contribute for that relationship to, to exist where it should for those opportunities to make it. Okay, now that was very deep as far as people definitely are next to those Detroiters, and I do think that the richest asset we do have in Detroit are the people itself. It's not necessarily the boundaries that set this land and its mass. Now, as I generally do, I got two standard questions I always do in the Detroit is Different experience for the podcast. The first thing is, can you track your family's history and how they made it to the city of Detroit? Uh, that's a little bit. And I mean, I know my, on my father's side, my grandparents came from Mississippi, and my mother and my grandfather came from Georgia, and my grandmother came from Florida. So basically, you're here from the generation of your parents on that were born in Detroit. Correct. And then when they came and moved here, why did they come to Detroit to move here? I mean, like most, most black folks who came to Detroit, it, it was so, so-called land of opportunity in the sense of uh, you know, running from the racist South. Okay, definitely. And then the second question that I have that I always ask is, if you could rename Woodward, because it's named after Augustus Woodward, and uh, he was the guy that basically set the blueprint for how Detroit was as the person that was just appointed over this territory in Michigan, who would you name Woodward after, if you could rename the street? General Baker. Why? 
Why? Well, I mean, you know, General Baker fingerprints is on Highland Park in Detroit. And again, anybody unfamiliar with General Baker, he was he was a founding member of the League of Black Revolutionary Workers. Uh, he just died last year. Uh, one of the most sincere, beautiful people I've ever met. Um, a gentle, gentle giant. Uh, I believe when he died, he was living in Highland Park. But you know, when you talk to anybody, they know him from Detroit. So, so you know, as we know, Highland Park connects Detroit and and um, Highland Park. So I, w I would name it after him. Okay. Now we're about to open it up to the floor for any questions. I know that we got actually a pretty packed audience, as I'm sure we're going to get somebody to get this whole thing rolling as we carry things off. So what's our first question from the audience? Yes, sir. Okay, I'm going to repeat the question just so that people listening can hear it. And basically, you were asking, where are some places that people can tap into the blackness of Detroit, where they can't organize, that you feel like they can get going with what needs to be done as opposed to what you just gave in your address is it seems like we're being oppressed. Where are the places where people can go and connect with that, you feel? <laughs> I don't see too many places in Detroit. I ain't gonna lie to you. Um, and, and again, Detroit being 85% black and there, and there are some black places, but most of these folks are, are getting concentrated on the dollar. You know, um, my comrade, Back in the back, man, um, we was doing an event on the east side, KJ, and um, a guy told us, again, their program was about serving community, serving people. They told us, like, you know, we, we ain't trying to serve these poor folks. Close the door on us. Uh, so I think, again, we, we have the ability to, to change, challenge those folks, but, again, we can't challenge it as individuals. We have to challenge them as collective. I mean, and there, there's some some places, again, I'm, and I'm open up to where I, sometimes I, I operate from a, uh, my own little island and, and, and where I fought, you know, challenge myself to just come off my island. But sometimes it's comfortable just to be on your island because of so much bullshit that, that goes on in, the, in this city. Um, so, I mean, one, one of my favorite places that I go to now, I go to, I go to uh, Goodwills. And I, and I just go down there, and I, even though I hate the area, I go there because of, I, I once owned, owned a, a store and know how hard it is to to maintain. You know, you look at the, the place the right, the right next door tour, it's frequent with, with white folks that supporting it. But in regard to Goodwills, I mean, it gets traffic. But I would, I mean, in the next five years, will it, will it really be there? And I think that, there, again, there are some places that, that, and that's part of us sharing, you know, sharing sharing information. You know, some, like I just got hit, hit to, a, to a spot um, the, the Horatio uh, Williams Foundation that he opened up his door to allow me to do an event there in May. You know, so some spots, and I think, again, you know, I'm limited, you're limited, but if we're sharing our information, then we're no longer limited. But also being able to walk somebody in the door, to me, introduce me to Kari, and Kari be willing to say, okay, on the strength of Antonio, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to list what you're saying. I mean, these are some of the things that we have the power to change, change those dynamics. So now we we we're able to push up, position ourselves to target the, those those folks as well as uh, put on blast the folks that are really not supporting the, the the spaces that that need to be be spaces to be able to cultivate these conversations, develop the ideas. I mean that's one of the things like the Urban Network was like when I had the Urban Network bookstore, it wasn't about making money. Again, anybody know? I mean, there's there's not too much money you making in selling books, but it, but to be able to as an artist to come and sit down and write your book or write your poem, then that next Saturday you, you have a place to perform. I mean, these things are, are, are essential to an artist, to an activist, to an organizer, 
to be able to, to nurture that and, and develop and meet different people. And, and I mean, you know, you see that war says the Harlem Renaissance is basically those type of places that, that needs to take place to cultivate um, the next whoever. All right, next question. All right, uh, let me say this a couple different things. Uh, next question, because Lord knows I love my people. That's why it's like black people are amazing and beautiful. Because I'm going to paraphrase the heck out of that question that you just gave. Because Lord knows I cannot go verbatim. So next question up, let's, let's move the people to the microphone. And if this is all family here, you know, ain't nobody going to bite you or nothing. But I know sometimes not walking down the aisle, you feel like uh, when the pastor says, you know, put your money in the pool pit or touch the bottom. And then you're like, ah, you know. So move to the front. And then that way we can get your question, question verbatim. But I'm going to repeat the question that you just said, unless you would like to come to the front and give give your question. Okay, see, like I figured. Okay, so I can I can keep either way. You know, we open to both ways. All right. But the question that she asked was, and I saw this along the way too. And let me tell you this: being you quoted yourself a Facebook activist. I'm all internet, and it's different levels that you can deliver messages. It's different things needed, as Brandon Jessup once said before that. It's enough struggles and enough ways to fight this. You need to stand whatever ground your ground is. And if the internet, if text messaging, if communicating in any way can help what we're doing, we need your help. We need you in that struggle. We need to have your assistance. As long as we can see along a collective vision, as what Yousef was saying, we can interact. So it's skills and it's everybody's needed because a lot of people really don't know the movement of the hashtag Black Lives Matter opened up a lot of discussions, conversation, and movement for people like Youssef and people such as even myself to get active and have more opportunities to do what we do. So every front is needed. Never feel like you're not as active. What we need is the support. We don't need people saying that Facebook is the only way to be an activist. We need people to be like, we need boots in the ground, we need boots right there at your keyboard. We need boots in the recording booth. We need it from every angle possible because it's a lot of movement needed forward. And the question that she was asking was, Kwame Kilpatrick said that Detroit was definitely set up to have and be waiting for a white savior. What's your perspective on that? Uh, first and foremost, I don't, I don't see Kwame as a pawn per se. Um, again, anybody who, who's familiar with Kwame, you know he's, he was a brilliant, and is brilliant. Uh, he comes out of the, the shrine of Black Madonna, so so he has a, a black perspective. Uh, he understands politics uh, from a black black perspective. So he it was it was the obvious um, him him recognizing that. And, and Kwame per se, again, many of us probably agree or disagree that was his arrogance arrogance that was his downfall, which contributed to um, the things that that he probably for, foreseen. Um, again, when you look at once uh, Coleman Young left office, the question like who was who 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 was going to be the next? You know, Kwame um, Dennis Archer gets in there. I was locked up, so I heard about how bad he was. Um, and then you look at uh, Dave Bean and what Dave Bean did. I mean, I don't, I'm not a I'm not I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. I'm a pro prodigal person. You know, we have prodigal enemies. <laughs> we have real enemies in the real time, real world. That's that's working every day to destroy us, to take what we have, et cetera, et cetera. So the, your question, absolutely, um, that, that the plan was in the works to be where, where we're at now. I mean, you know, when you look at, um, again, many of us become privileged 
to to certain things. So when Duggan was running, I was privileged to folks that was in, inside his camp to tell me things like, like, nigga, is you serious? Like, you about to support this white guy? And because you think that you're going to get a better position because of who you are. And, this, and, this, and they're sharing this with me as if I'm like, I'm going to, like, I believe going to buy into this. And so, again, when you, when you look at where, where uh, Snyder was talking about, you know, bringing Duggan in to be the financial manager. They had emails that, that they didn't want to show. So, again, this is not a, a damn conspiracy. This, this is actual. This is factual. You know, the difference between a, a Republican and a Democrat is that one is conservative and one is liberal. But their interest is the same. White supremacy, white power. So it's easy to see why Duggan and, and Snyder is working together. But do we, are we able to see the truth in this? And so you put, Doug, you put Duggan in and then you bring in, um, what's the, the black guy, Kevin, Kevin, Orr. Kevin Orr. So Kevin Orr, he's the bad guy, right? Because he's the financial manager. And then you bring in Duggan, he's the good guy because he's the mayor. I mean, you, you see the psychological game that's being played on our mind. But what is happening, we're no longer calling it like it is. I mean, in a, in a real way, based upon real work. Real work is, is boots on the ground, organizing. And so again, and looking at it from electoral, electoral politics, that's not gonna solve anything. However, that's where our people's at. So we need from, from within our framework, which one of us that, that we feel comfortable enough running? Will it be a KJ? Will it be a Antonio? Will it be a Bernard? But not for the sake of that individual, but for the sake of our community. Because anybody that runs for a political office, they tell you, Makar, you need $50,000. You need $100,000. Okay. So we're going to take that money, we're going to raise that money, and we're going to hire all formerly incarcerated men and women who can't get jobs to work our campaign. We're going to hire all the, kid, all the youth in our community to work our campaigns to rebuild our community, to invest in our community. So if we lose, we actually won. Because we built a campaign that was built around building people, building our community, and building the momentum. I mean, this is out-the-box thinking that we have to have. And so now, now we're heightening contradictions, but we're heightening the consciousness of our people. Because as Huey P. Newton said, people learn through particip participation and observation. We can't be coming with, with, with large words, large terms, that are not relevant to them. We have to make those terms relevant by having boots on the ground and doing the work. So we, now we expose a Doug and we expose a, um, a, a other folks in, the, within this arena and, and, we, we, and we have to create alternatives. Real, and in creating alternatives, we just can't talk about it. We gotta do them. All right, next question. You wanna come to the mic? Wait, wait, wait. Okay, we're gonna get him and then we'll get you right after. All right, uh, my name's Tony. Um, I've been working since I was 12 years old. I dealt with a lot of people. I met people that was millionaires and one was a billionaire. And all of them told me the same thing because they talked about us. And I let them talk about me because I wanted to know, I shut up because I wanted to know what they wanted to say about me. And one thing I learned, they talked about a couple things that was pretty much the same. They put people in categories. So they know how to control and destroy. They do self-liminal so they can control. So, and they 
deal with two different things, problems and solutions. A lot of us talk about the problems like this. Solutions is like this. They don't talk like that. They talk about solutions like this. They already know what the problem is. They, 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 gonna, they, gonna, they ain't gonna talk about that too much. They gonna talk about 500 solutions for one problem and see which one gonna fit. So everything these men said, we need to talk about solutions because we already know the problem. And I got a nonprofit, Golden Rule Custom, which I be doing a solution. And one thing I want to say right now, one solution is to help the community, we have to learn how to do self-liminal because that's what rich people do. They self-liminal everything, put it in our face. So we have to learn how to put stuff back in our face all the time. Have to find ways to put stuff in our face. Like they support liquor and everything like that, we find ways to put our stuff in our face. That's self-liminal. That's what they do. Understand what they do, and we do it too. Now, I'm going to do a program cutting grass and boarding up houses. I'm going to go around, cut grass, board up the houses, and the same houses I go to, I'm going to tell people, organizations, to post their stuff. The same houses we went to. We, did a, we, 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 cut a, we cut a field, have a preacher or organization go down on a Saturday or Sunday, and have an event. Same place you cut. All right, I'm going to ask this, and I'm not even trying to cut up your flow, right. but did you have a specific question within the, uh, the comment not for really. you, sir? You just wanted to share with I the crowd. I wanted to share that, man. Okay, all right, thank you, Tony. That's definitely needed, as one of the things we do need to do is clean up the community, and uh, as we said, that it's definitely those things. I know you said you had a question. You want to comment? All right. Uh, the brother mentioned that he has a nonprofit, and... I, I salute nonprofits. However, nonprofits are profiting like a motherfucker <laughs> off the misery and the pain of, of black people. Uh, and we got too many damn nonprofits, in my opinion, and we we don't have enough of, of people who are investing in community. Again, you know, when you when you like look at Ford Foundation, right? Who's giving out money? They they're playing both sides. You know, they're giving money to the police. They're giving money to the politicians. They're giving some money to the community. Again, we need critical thinkers where we're examining what's going on, and we can't, the work that we want to do in our community cannot be dictated by a foundation. And that's, and that's where we failed at. We're waiting on skilled men to come and give us a bunch of money. We're waiting on the Kellogg. I mean, and that's the worst thing that's happened. Now they're telling us who is Detroiters and who ain't Detroiters. Because if you, if you get one of their fellowships, now, that, now based upon what you said, putting in front of us, in front of our people, these are the Detroiters. But Self-subliminal for me is just doing the work. Being where folks are at consistently every, every day. Again, you go, you go in my community, folks may not can't say, pronounce my name. <laughs> but they can pronounce the word. I mean, and, and what has happened is we get caught up in developing a program. Our program is doing the work. Our program is throwing ourselves in the mix of two young brothers about to fight. That we know is a, a gas station that's a hot spot for trouble and we and we're able to, to go over there. I remember one time a, a cat that I'm real cool, a white boy from Canada. He coming down to Zone A every summer and we chilling and hanging out. He wants to go to the gas station. I started to walk with him, like, no, nah, he you know, he wanna be in he wanna be in zone eight, so let him walk over there. Two minutes late, he gets to run it, man. They tried to take my wallet. 
And I went over there like, man, you with me? They're like, all right, all right, big homie. Like he get he get love. And, and but I, but I I let him go through that experience because that's what we go through. We go through getting our our houses broken into. We go through getting our our windows busted and all those things. I mean, those, unfortunately, those are rites of passages in doing this work. Yeah, it's. Um... <laughs> As I always joke, a, a mutual friend of ours who was a pastor, uh, he got his house broken into, and he was like, I can't believe it, all this stuff. I'm like, you know, that's, that's playing street tithes. Sometimes you got to tithe the hood. You don't want to. But it's building relationships. And, it and, does. And, I mean, in, in, in the long term, they're going to they gonna see where you, where you, where you at. Because now they gonna, the same people that done something to you, you build that relationship, but the same ones are going to protect you. Yeah. True indeed. Next question up. Uh, this question relates to uh, to Highland Park, to this neighborhood. So there's a, 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 a Brooklyn-based gallery that's about to move here. They bought a bunch of buildings, and um, obviously that, you know, transforms the community. And I guess my question is, like, um, how does a community, like, resist the displacement and all the things that uh, that come with, you know, the way a big gallery like that would transform a neighborhood? And uh, more so to that, and I heard about that, too. It's like the New York Times is almost featuring Detroit for like the past three years is like a big portion of their information. And right now it's a big gallery that's bought like a place where different artists can stay and live, even to the Highland Park High School. As we know that schools closing down as an institution across the nation is big. And as they always say, if America got a cold, then the black community got pneumonia or whatever. So you know, Highland Park has definitely seen a lot of changes as some of these properties are being trans transitioned over into this place where artists can stay and work and have an opportunity to do their work. And that's completely transitioning from what was in Brooklyn and Manhattan now to Highland Park. What's your opinion on how that changes the community? Uh, I mean, how do, how do we resist that? First and foremost, we have to be an organized community. Is that, is that simple? Um, and, and the job of an organizer is to, is to organize the unorganized. And as long as that we're operating in a sense of chaos, folks are able to come in and whine, you know, you, you're, you're, you're so dynamic. You're so beautiful, Juan. You're, you're an intellectual. Why don't you come and help us? Now, I mean, the same way what they did with, with, with so-called Indians, where they recruited some of them, with, and they became what? The best scouts. The best, the, the best folks to take down the different nations, you know, and, and things of that nature, tracking their own. I mean, so, so we have to, what, what, what they told us that the white man talked with folk, folk tongue. So we have to be aware of that and being aware of that again. Every, everybody in this room, if this is our community, and we know on the property up the street is $100,000, you know, we, we, we have to operate in, in the form of fashion, thinking ahead. You know, too many of us are thinking right now or behind the time. And so we're thinking ahead, and then we've already put money aside. We're already investing. So when that property came up, we've already purchased that property. And we purchased that property based upon that, that plan. Again, I, I want to throw this out, too. Like, we're, we're not opposed to white people helping us. Well, we're opposed to white people trying to lead us. We, we, those days of white folks coming in and leading us and, you know, the missionary shit, that shit over with, as far as I'm concerned. And again, what we need is white radicals. We need white revolutionaries. Um, standing the support of black and brown leadership and not just any black person, not just any brown person, folks who really service the interests of the community. So again, uh, and we have to be very strategic and tactical 
in this approach? And how do we infiltrate these spaces? You know, um, Matula Shakur, you know, many of know, know Matula because of Tupac, you know, that was his father. But he had challenged white radicals, um, former members of the SDS, former members of Weather Underground, to use their white privilege, to use their white privilege to support black liberation. Who knows what that looks like? But it looks like something in, in the context of using your privilege to bring resources, um, bring practical things to the folks that you want to help. And, and, that, and that's where we, we have to begin. I mean, a lot of the times it's not even necessary, you no know, financial resources. Again, when you talk about the Brooklyn uh, folks coming in, being like sometimes we don't even know a building is available, or we don't even know information available until after the fact. Now that gets back to the, to the sister question in regards to what's going on. And that's one of the biggest, the, why the playing field is so uneven, because the folks who are sitting at the table, they ain't, they ain't bringing the information back. Because again, they, ain't, they looking like us, but they ain't working for us. And then when it happens, they look, they come to us and say, I ain't know. How the hell you don't know you work down there? How the hell you know you, you, you hanging with them? But we, we so confused and unorganized, we accepting it. Next question up. Jabari Reynolds. <clears throat> Especially in my generation, like cats born in the, in the late 90s and forward, um, I've seen, and not just, not just in our community and in the other subcultures like African conscious or the extremists of African conscious, which are kind of on some other stuff. But, but what I wanted to touch on was I have a problem because over, over the past, like, week or so, I was, I'll say, re-educating brothers and sisters on some misconceptions that they had about uh, some historical context to our history and context to the political and social situation that we have now. And once I re-educated, they said, oh, you know, like, you have such a broad perspective and such a truthful pr or perspective based in fact that now I can see, okay, I, there, there's things I need to do differently. So then my, uh, my question being, What's the most effective way to make uh, this sense of urgency and this sense of need in our community relevant to cats who have become so passive to their situation that they feel that, that any action that could be taken will be in vain? Great question. Uh, the sense of urgency, man, like, like for me, I hope I did a good job. But just calling it like it is. And again, too many of us trying to go along to get along. Uh, we're we're tiptoeing situations. Again, and we're not calling folks out or calling each other out for the purpose of creating an antagonistic situation. We're, what we're doing is putting on, on the table of what was being said, but also, again, challenging the folks to are your action, are your words mat matching your action? Again, you know, we're, we're good talkers. You know, what are you, but what are you doing? Well, what have you done or what do you want to do? And, and with that being said, many of us are afraid to admit, I don't know what I want to do or I don't know how to do it, but I have all these ideas. I have all these ideas, I don't know how. I mean, for me to be just be frankly honest, I, I, I move at the pace that I move because I'm fear, I fear my past. I fear my past in, in the sense of, because I know if I go back to the other side, there ain't no coming back. And again, if anybody unfamiliar with my past, you know, I, I was a gang member, I was in the streets, et cetera. You know? So for me, move, I operate in that same capacity. So some folks are like, man, 
dude be too serious. <laughs> dude, like, I don't know if he about to smack me or some shit. You know, and, and it's nothing like that. It's just, like, I get it. I get that rush of fighting the good fight now. And so being able to heighten those contradictions, but also overseeing the, the complexity of, like, um, I've learned from the Black Panther Party and a lot of the elders that, that, that took me up under their wings, like, all relationships are not antagonistic. And so we have to figure out how do we do, be delicate in those situations. So, um, like, one of them just did something uh, about a week or two, two, two ago, and they just called Detroit Mapping. And I said to them was, how do you, all these things that you're saying, how, how can that be relevant to the guy on the block? And so, so being, listening, and but then knowing how to communicate that in a way where I didn't challenge one of them. I didn't say, what y'all doing was full of shit. I ain't push out the way. I have a relationship with one. So saying that it needs to be relevant. And then Juan knows me. He tells me back a couple weeks later, let's talk about that. I don't know how I can do that. I think you maybe can help. I may not can help. Let me bring in Kari. You know, let, let's, let's connect the dots. And that's one of the problems. Too many of us are trying to do it too much by ourselves. And so we're, we're, we're trying to uh, bring other people in. And that gets, gets back to this word of leadership. Like we're, we're living in a time where that new term, or it's probably been an old term, but it's been reemerged like it's just a leaderist movement. And for me, I think that's, uh, uh, I understand the essence of it, but it's a complicated term, because in reality, like walking out this door, we all can't walk out the door at the same time. Somebody, has, you know, we have to create an order. We have to, I mean, this is, this is practical. Like we, we're here, we're, we're trying to get out this door. Somebody's going to take the charge. I'm going to write this down. Uh, Juan's going to leave first. Doesn't, it doesn't make me the primary person. It makes me the leader for that moment. But, but we're a collective of leaders. So we have to have correct analysis, correct, uh, correct theories that's going to produce the correct practice. But understanding in practice that we're going to make mistakes. However, we have to be willing to be open and learn no mistakes. And so that's what criticism and self-criticism comes into play. There's no bigger, bigger critic of me than me. You know, when I sit at the table, I'm always you know, critically, uh, you, know, you know, trying to examine myself. And also, you know, looking to get better. Like Antonio, you know, we've been in the same space a couple of times, but he's one of the guys I, I, I really admire. I really admire Antonio. When, when, when he talks, he talks in a way that I get it. He, he educates me and there's other, other folks as well. And so, so being, knowing what your strengths and what your weaknesses are and constantly looking to grow looking to grow you know like i'm always reading always challenging always trying to figure out how, how to get better but fundamentally we have to the kwame uh Toure, uh formerly known stokely carmichael said we're organizers but we're not an organization you can't be an organizer you're not an organization and i've, and I've struggled with that since i've been out of prison so what uh, so and i've struggled with that because again many of you all struggle with it as well because of, of top top heavy leadership unprincipled individual etc However, our people need, need to see organizations. They need to see organized folks. But you know, and if, if that organization is not working, then we just, let's create one. But let's create one that's based upon not to co uh, compete, but to service and meet the needs that need to be done. Let me, let me carry on with that. And I actually want to highlight somebody in this room, um, kind of to what you just said, in the sense of urgency. I think that it kind of goes back to what he said in the beginning. The sense of urgency, it, it can start small. Everything that I love and that I'm connected to most is start small because it's a hard vision for people to connect to. Even this concept, a podcast. A lot of people aren't listening to podcasts. You know, it starts small. Big concepts start small and then they carry over really big. You know, the Panthers started small. The idea starts small. So the urgency may not necessarily galvanize everybody. 
but everybody does have a role for them. So if you can see far enough to see the role that they have and honor it with respect, and as he just said, you gotta challenge yourself, because I'm always challenging myself how I can bring more people on, how I can work with more people, and how you can carry on and honor what they have, and then humble yourself to listen to what they say. You know, organizing yourself. So much in leading is really following. You have to have had to follow to be a leader, because you had to have said, okay, I see the design of this, and I wanna design something myself. So it starts small, and then it grows. And don't be afraid of what you consider something small, because it's a starting point. You know, if you're gonna build a wall and you've never put bricks together for a wall, the bottom is gonna probably look very sloppy. But if you put a brick there every day, as you get to the top, you're gonna say, man, this is like a pyramid. It's looking solid because you're gonna start to build something very solid. And I'm gonna echo this more so even to Raina. And I think you gotta even call out some of the structures as he said, the structure. Raina was spending some time working with like a big project in the middle of the city of Detroit. It's like one of the biggest projects coming on board. And I'm like, yo, Raina, you need to step in and, and, and honor what they're doing. And that project didn't honor. And like, when I say she's talented, she's beyond talented with what she does. One of the best workers and one of the most talented, skillful people, if you want to work with somebody with marketing, uh, doing research plans, doing reports or something like that, she's applying all of that. But it's people vulching knowing that it's so many talented people, even somebody like yourself at what you do with music. And then saying like, hey, let me just give you $30 because you can't play anybody else. Trying to take advantage of a, a situation, you know? And you got to honor it even within ourselves. If you don't got it, get it, and then make sure you can honor and give that best stage to somebody. You don't have the money, give them the other resources that they may need. Help them along the way because it's some very talented people that do need to be encouraged. And I would say the best ur urgency to young people, if you really want to convey that message, is to show them the opportunity and give them that opportunity and show them that you believe in what they're doing. Because there's so many people that don't see the power of somebody believing in what they're doing. In this day and age of no internships, or unpaid internships, or no jobs, or you, know, you just went through seven years of school and they're like, well, do you have experience? And it's like, hell no, I was in school for seven years. You know? So you gotta encourage the young people and say, look, it's a place and it's a space for you. You can go work with Kari. And when you work with me, you're gonna work with Youssef. And when you work with Youssef, you're gonna work with Kwasi. And then you're gonna work with Nandi. It's enough of a grassroots network, Baba Malik Yakini, D-Town Farm, where you can empower yourself where it's like, I don't need to assimilate to a structure that doesn't believe in what I'm doing, and I can kick ass with what I know and what I can do. I definitely wanted to share that. Uh, next question. Um, so I'm Antonio, peace, nice to meet y'all. Uh, I'm from Southwest Detroit and I definitely have been uh, interested in building uh, with Yousef for the longest time now. I see what you guys are doing over here and I'm really interested in, in, in making the connections between the black and brown communities. Uh, Detroit has a significant uh, you know, Latino population in my side of town and uh, there's no reason that communities shouldn't be working together. Um, but I, I just wanted to talk about, like a lot of people say when, when they look at Detroit, how can you keep talk, stop talking about race stop talking about race you know it's like but how can you not talk about race in the most segregated metropolitan area in all of the United States so I think that's like one of the first and foremost things and it's like what is the state of black Detroit we're leaving we're leaving the city that's the state of black Detroit what what preempted that what caused that 2008 financial crisis 120,000 people in an 85% black city lost their homes that's what caused that 
the 2008 financial crisis. Who caused that? The same firms that are profiting off uh, you know, bad loans made to the cities. They made bad loans to people, took their homes, they made bad loans to the city, and now they're trying to take the city. And that's the state of black Detroit right now. Um, and as we're speaking, we're approaching the end of March. Uh, and March, there's another 82,000 homes in the city of Detroit that are at risk of, of people losing their homes. And those people aren't here. You know, those people are, are, are working. Those people are, are busy, concerned with trying to stay in their homes. So it's like, how do we bring these messages to those people? And how do we up our analysis to look at race and? It's, it is race, of course it's race. But there's, 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 there's so many other factors that come into play because um, Detroit is facing a monster that Latin America's been facing for a long time. You know, they put us under a consent agreement. They call those structural adjustment agreements to Latin American countries. It's like, we're gonna give you a loan, we know you can't pay for it, and then, after that, you can't pay for that loan, we're gonna and make you sell all, you, us all your shit. Sell us your water, sell us your land, sell us your resources. And that's the same thing. That now, because capitalism has run out of places abroad to do that to, and they're increasingly running out, now they're recolonizing cities. That's why they're taking our public schools. That's why they're trying to take our water. That's why they try to take the city planning department. That's why the guy who caused the biggest crisis, Dan Gilbert, the white savior of Detroit, he caused this crisis. He's also the dude who's choosing what buildings are getting flattened and whatnot. He's on the blight authority. What kind of fucking sense does that make? <laughs> so um, I'm gonna leave it there. Um, but I just wanted to say, um, what can we do? Because like, the, I mean, the, the, that all is like a, a term neoliberalism. You know, it's one of them big fancy words, but it's really capitalism cannibalizing itself and turning everything into finance. We have finance people running schools, finance people running this, finance people running that. And so like, what can we do to help educate our community about these structural issues in, in the short term? How are we gonna keep, keep these people in their homes and keep Detroit black? Antonio is. <laughs> right, that's why I admire, that's why I love, love when he, when he talks. For me, fundamentally, what we can do, we have to organize. We, we have to connect the dots. Uh, I mean, he opened it up the fact that what we rarely talk about, the same issues that the black Detroit is facing, brown Detroit is facing. I mean, for me, when, when I went over there a couple of years ago, I learned about um, the deportation, uh, learned about the Mexican mafia, uh, things of that nature. And again, we get caught up in our, in our silos and, and not realizing that there's, there's some commonality in our oppression. And we have the common, we have a common, common oppressor. Again, and we have to organize on every level. And we can't just organize on, on the ground, this and that. We, we, we have to organize on all levels, in particular, you know, you know what, what our white allies look like and, and how, how they're connected. And so we, we're sitting at a, at a strategy table. You know, we have, we have a big board and we, we're connecting the dots. We're talking about, we're looking at the, the plans and these things of this nature. You know, some days it may be a protest. Other days it may be a sit-in. Um, I mean, for me, I, I've had the opportunity to go to Ferguson. Uh, a couple, I've been there like four or five times. And, and one of the, the beautiful things of being about down there was the fearlessness, I repeat, the fearlessness that existed in these young people and in, in, in people in general. And again, we, we're, we're in a city that's supposed to be the most gangster city, the most gangster city in the United States of America, but we ain't doing shit. You know, we, we, we can c claim that we didn't allow uh, Rick Ross to, 
to enter a concert. We, I mean, that's that's our claim to fame in the sense of organizing. But but again, no, we got we supposed to have bona fide gangsters, bona fide thugs, but the real thugs that's thugging us and that's gangsters. We ain't doing shit. And you know, some of these conversations, you know, they need to take place within within uh, privates of, of individuals. I'm big on secure communication. Um, I'm big on you know, developing, you know, sales of what, where, where folks who, who who are on different levels because everybody's not on the same level organizing. I think you know those are one of the things that contributed to uh, some of our setbacks. And you know, again, you know, Cointel Pro. If any, any of y'all familiar with that, the counterintelligence program that was launched through. The American government, the FBI, Jagger Hooger. Again, we wouldn't we wouldn't even know that existed if not some white folks had broken into the FBI office and and stole those papers and made them available. And that was in the, and that was in the 70s. So again, if they didn't do that, we we're still behind the eight ball, not knowing the infiltration that was that was going on. So so I think you know first of all, as the brother over there now, like uh, clearly what are the problems, but clearly identifying who committed folks. I mean, I think that's one of the problems that we face is you know, people are coming to this job of organizing as part-timers. You know, folks that we're fighting against, that's full-time. They're full-time working to take shit from us, full-time working to oppress us. And we, and we have to be full-timers, full and we have to create the resources, and particularly the, the best of us. See, the best of us are not able to work full-time in the capacity they need to because they're, they're trying to figure out how to eat. You know, how to, you know, I mean, real talk, you know, some days I, I had less than $2 in my pocket. And I got a big-ass truck out there, and so gas, uh, so gas is not cheap. So, again, and, and, I, and I say that in, in the sense of having a genuine conversation. If Antonio represents the best of us, then we need to get behind Antonio. Because getting behind Antonio, we're getting behind ourselves. And, again, that's where we got to check our egos. You know, so, so folks that's in our community that have great ideas, you know, this month may be Antonio, next month it may be Kari, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this is how we have to operate. And so, so it gets back to um, Z's question. We have to build institutions. We have to have places where folks can, 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 can study and, and develop. But also, too, I mean, some of us in this room are facing those evictions. And that's what another thing that we're not talking about. You know, many of us, you know, geographically, it doesn't make sense sometimes to go from damn near charmers to Southwest Detroit, because I don't have the gas, et cetera, et cetera, but I'm going anyway because I don't want to let Antonio down, because I don't want to look like I'm faking and shaking, but I don't want to tell Antonio or nobody in the crowd that my light's about to get turned off, that I ain't got no water, that I ain't really ain't got no food in my refrigerator. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't be an activist like that. If we can't share within each other, and by the end of that day, we're figuring out some things to support each other. And so that goes back to trust. That goes back to love, um, you know, whether sleeping on somebody's couch, things of that nature. So, so like when, when me and Z went to, to St. Louis the first time, we connected with a young brother, Daruba. You know, he was basically a homeless. What we did, so we committed ourselves to raising um, close to $1,000 to send back to him. It wasn't, it wasn't much, but it was, it, like I've met so many people that went to Ferguson and come back, now they call themselves experts on Ferguson. And, but what, what have you invested in that community, what have you invested in in that individual? And I mean, that's the type of work that 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 I believe in. You know, so we so we've been able to leave, leave fingerprints. So fundamentally, we have to begin to connect the dots. We have to solidify 
um, black and brown and, and being able to identify, curating and playing with what, what white allies looks like and curating, you know, like when, when Fred and them had the Rainbow Coalition. Not the Jesse Jackson shit. You know, he hijacked and stole that. You know, the Rainbow Coalition was a coalition of the Black Panther Party, Young Lords, and white organizations that was guided by right revolutionary principles and organizing the community. So again, if, if, if we talk about we need a thousand people by tomorrow, through these vital, uh, different organizations, we should be able to come up with a thousand people. So it's no longer just depending on Antonio and Southwest Detroit. Because again, organizing is a bitch. As you just mentioned, people who are struggling for their gas and lights, they may not show up. But if we got five organizations that's, that's, that's committed to a pact, then we should be able to pull our resources together, meet these demands, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's where the stage that we're at, but it has to come from the level of building the trust and building the commitment and having the vision through each and every one of us to execute. All right, let's get one more question. Then I'm gonna get your last words. So any other questions from the floor? And if not, then I'm gonna be a guilty pleasure and ask a question. What's gonna be your mission? Cause this year is kind of pretty much through. What's your mission for 2016? Uh, I mean, I'm gonna start 15 shit. Okay, I mean, well, I mean connect yeah, to 16 yeah. too. I mean, for me, you know, I used to own, I referenced the, uh, the bookstore. So that was forced to close. So we have the house, we started there back to the training center getting that up and running, raising the money to develop, developing that, uh, creating a model uh, to develop in other areas throughout, throughout not only city of Detroit, across the country. Uh, you know, developing the org you know, this organization, Black Soldiers, we're going to talk about you know, developing du a duplicate org organization with some, um, some folks in Southwest, uh, you know, de you know, developing with some white allies, uh, uh, um, uh, Maryland Buck and uh, David Gilbert Society. And, and if anybody familiar with David Buck and David, I mean Marilyn Buck, how many y'all know of Astada Shakur? All right, Astada Shakur was a Black Panther Party BLA member. The quick version: Marilyn Buck fingerprints was contributed towards her her being liberated. She was a he was a white 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 person again used her white privilege to service the Black liberation. Um, David Gilbert has been in prison close to 30 years in support of the Black struggle, the Black liberation. So again, you know, we, we're still looking at from John Brown. You know, John Brown is a great example. We got some, we got some more current individuals that that we can utilize. So, uh, you know, just getting just getting better and developing the the, the resource. You know, creative product. Um, again, we you know we have to finance our stuff. You know, for me, like I feel sometimes I feel like the walls are closing in of of, of the complexity of the society that I live in, or the what we live in, and how. I make my money. You know, I make my money speaking, uh, workshops, training, et cetera. And so folks and who control that field tends to want me to, to talk a certain way, dance a certain way, because everybody else, not everybody, but most folks are are dancing like that, are talking like that. So they like, niggas, you gonna do it too? Like, no, I'm not gonna do it. And so so again, we have to be willing. So when, so when folks in our community, we fuck with, make those sacrifices, then we gotta support them. We got to support them. We got to pull, pull them up. We got to pull, share, share resources. And I think, um, you know, for me, for moving forward, it's just being committed, man. You know, we, we're looking to do the grassroots leadership conference this year, um, and, and and all these things really set set off in what 2016 would look like. Okay, well, that's definitely great to know. And let me let everybody know that uh, it was great having you on as a guest. Uh, think that this is gonna definitely.
be something that people should listen to, check into, especially your address for Black Detroit. <coughs> it was an honor, as always, sir. And I want to add this dynamic to the mix, even for Antonio, too. Many of us have different alliances and different relationships with a lot of different people. So it may be somebody that I'm very familiar with, that Yousef doesn't see eye to eye with, or vice versa. But if it's a mission that we agree to, if it's a premise and a grounds that we can move forward, we may be able to support what he's doing the whole way through. As I look to somebody like Harry Belafonte, especially as an artist, that was very supportive of many different movements. Sometimes the movements, he necessarily wasn't even 100% there with what the mission was, but he knew the intentionality of the people behind what that is. So you're never gonna agree 100%, but it's hard for me to agree 100% because I'm not necessarily in the mission of what Yousef does. I'm hip hop, I'm computers, I'm internet. You know, that's my story. He's in zone A. He's working in the streets with guys that are, I call it fresh out, if you out of being locked up or returned citizens. And it's a different tense, it's a different ideology, it's a different feel. It's a reason why Yousef was embraced when he got down to Ferguson. And it's many people from Detroit that are being looked at as quote unquote activists or pastors or whatever that went to Ferguson, but they were never embraced the way Yousef was just because Yousef speaks to the people that were looked at as quote unquote looters. Because Yousef is walking in the streets with so many people. And just because you don't necessarily think that 100% agree with what he's doing, if you know his intentions, I say support Yousef. Support so many of the other people's visions. Support so many of the other people's artistry. Because that's really what we got to do. We got to chain link and we got to be strong. I got to know to myself, like, Yousef may throw me under the bus and say, Kari acting like an Uncle Tom, but then he can still come to me and say, Kari, I need $5,000 for what I'm doing. And I'd be like, here go five stacks. And keep throwing me under the bus as I keep, I guess, getting money from the white man, quote unquote. And I gotta be supportive of that. You have to be ready to do that because it's the intentions. Because apart, we ain't gonna never change anything. But together, <laughs> it's a movement that's always, when I say this, I mean this, always look to be compromised by structures. It's a reason the stories of Marcus Garvey, Malcolm X, the Black Panthers, Martin Luther King, and so many others always were looked at to be compromised by the government because it was organizing black folks. So if the government has always made it a mission to stop black organization, that means that it's even more of a mission for us to build black organizations. Oh, brother, you should have did that. <laughs> uh, man, again, this, uh, this, this is my little brother, big brother. We, we talk, when we get on the phone, we normally be on there like for an hour or two hours, just, 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 just going over a lot of different things. So to share this and do this tonight, it's, it's been great. Um, and any last words is just commitment, organizing, study, struggle, struggle, study. Um, and the, work, the center of the work that we want to do and have to do is have to be love. You know, love, love is the great equalizer. Um, love doesn't make us soft. Love makes us hard. You know, love, love endures <laughs> many different things. So, so again, you know, we have to. Sh sh you know, I, I remember like you know coming to this revolutionary mindset. I like I want the most warrior's name, and I want to be the most hardest. But again, you know, love is love is hard. 
peace is hard in the sense of you're willing to go the extra mile to maintain those things, to execute those things in the way that they're supposed to be. And you know, uh, we need long distance revolutionaries. We, we need folks who are committed to change, not just not looking for a photo op, not looking to be uh, for fame and things of those nature. I mean, those days have to have to be uh, flushed down the toilet. And we, we need we need folks who have, as Antonio pointed out, correct analysis around around this work, who really can be able to to break down the you know, why this young brother are doing what what they're doing, why this young sister is doing what she's doing, and understanding how the system. Yes, the system has created uh, and, and vultures within our community. You know, we have to stop blaming the oppressed for the oppression. And we have to create the mechanism that, that we have to fight against our oppressors. And we have to create the social vehicles. The social vehicles, again, when you look at the, the height of the climate of the black and brown community, there were social vehicles that were directing folks to, towards dealing with those things. You know, again, just as simple, simple as we look at the 1955 boycott, that changed the complexity within our community. But it was love and the commitment that allowed them to operate in that fashion where they overstood their enemy. And, and that enemy may be white, that may be black, that may be brown. Because the enemy comes in a mind state. The enemy is a mind state. However, we know the predominantly folks that, that we're fighting against is white. Doesn't make us against white people, it makes us against white supremacy. Those are two different, two different things. And, and, and we have to have these fresh conversations. And I, I wanna leave on, on this note, because you know, we're, we're in a state where we're talking about Black Lives Matter. And, I, and, that's, and that's been a, a slogan that many of us have used at different times in our lives, and really salute the three sisters out in LA that took a slogan and, and, and created some momentum behind it. Uh, two of them are queer, two of them are queer, but every life in our community is valuable. You know, we're living in, in a time where some of us are gay, some of us are not. And our sexual orientation should not be the qualification or if you're committed. Your principles, your commitment is the qualification if you're committed. It's not, and it's not to deny that it's not a, a gay agenda that is, does exist in America. Because at the end of the day, as human beings, I'm against any, any man that's uh, praying on any young young woman. I'm against any older woman that's praying on any young guy, and I'm against any gay person that's praying on a non-gay person. I mean, that's just universal. However, you know, recognizing and honoring the, those sisters and, and, what, and what they've done and what they contributed, but also it's important that we take it to the next level. You know, Black Lives Matter is a slogan. However, and if Black Lives Matter, then we have to defend Black Lives. We have to defend black lives, because we're rushing the black communities to teach us about peace. It wasn't us that killed Mike Brown. It wasn't us that killed Ayanna Jones. So it's, so it's not us who need peace training. We need, we, we need training on defending our communities. And we have to have correct analysis and knowledge of those things and, and be willing and bold enough to speak about those things. I'm not saying go out and go pick up a gun and do some crazy shit. What I'm saying, pick. Before you pick up the gun, pick up a book to be able to help develop the concept and the analysis of how to defend your community and why you're defending your community. Because at the end of the day, defending yourself is something that you do naturally. It's just that, that's just a natural orientation that we've all been conditioned with. But how do we execute that in a way that it makes sense? It comes with the right mindset. So again, for me, who I am, I, I still I have the same passion, I have the same drive, I have a different mindset that's now moving that passion, move, moving that drive towards serving my community. So again, we have enough leaders, we need more service in our community. Um, if anybody interested, I got some of uh, my documentaries here with me. We got the buttons, 
the black and white ones three dollars, the colors are four dollars. It's been. I hope some folks got some things out of. It. I, I definitely was able to get some stuff from my chest and got some great things out of you guys. So all power to the people. Thank you so much.